G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. I um, said to the guy, you've, you've got to pay these people. He's like, no, 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 the market's doing this, the market's doing that. You know, next month it'll be fine, next month it'll be fine. And money came into the company and I said to him, look, I can't handle this anymore. Can I use this to pay people just this once? And he said, yes, do that, because he didn't care. And I used that money to pay people. Now, I didn't realise just how serious that was, because I didn't actually steal it. But that was a breach of the Corporations Act. I just caved under pressure. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, sometimes life takes unexpected twists, and that's exactly what happened in the life of Trish Jenkins. She was living a comfortable life as a wife and a mother of three, when suddenly, through a series of events, she found herself sentenced to eight months in prison, living among some of society's most dangerous criminals. The experience changed her life forever, and she's written about it in a book called Treasures of Darkness, a prison journey. Trish is having a chat with Eric Scadabo and sharing how it all came about. Welcome to the program, Trish Jenkins. Thank you, Eric. Glad to be here. Glad to have you with us. And let's find out what was life like before being sentenced to prison? What was happening then? Well, we were active in our church. I have a husband and three little girls and uh, life was going fairly well. We were property investors and looking at what we could do to, to get ahead and, and we were great givers in our church too. We had a vision for, for building that and moving things forward. So that was your heart's desire. You had sincere motives going into all this. Oh, yes. And I think that's actually what uh, caused me to uh, not discern the way that I should have. Okay. What happened? Well, I met a fellow who was a currency trader and uh, we invested with him and that went well. And he had created a managed fund that was approved by the ASIC, the Australian Securities and Investments Commission. And I. So everything's checking out? Well, I was already uh, invested with him while he was applying to do that and he did get approval for that. Um, so, which actually reassured me because I thought, well, if, if the Australian Securities and Investments Commission have approved him, then, you know, that, that's just more reassurance. And he, I, w- I was an investor initially, and then he asked me if I could be a contact person for the investors because he just couldn't take the phone calls and deal with all the people. He just wanted to be left alone to trade and, and to do what needed to be done. And oh, so, so it was going so well that he actually needed more help. So that's exactly. a sign that this is a really good thing. This is prosperous. Exactly, because he was growing and, and it was doing mm-hmm. well. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good with people and, you know, anything that I, that I care about, you know, I'm, you know, you want people to do well, you want people to benefit. And mm-hmm. uh, so I became the contact person for him, like uh, in a managed fund, it's called an authorised representative. And so that's, that's what happened and people would invest with him and that went well and he would pay um, an interest return each month. It wasn't guaranteed, um, but it, mm-hmm. was, it was fairly consistent so you were an investor as well, so mm. you wanted this to succeed, is that right? Yes, yes, I was, I was totally committed. And, you know, mm-hmm. my husband and I really did believe that this was a blessing from God, you know, for all mm-hmm. our, 
all our giving that we had done over the years and, you know, he'd done well in real estate and so we just thought well, we were being sensible and diversifying by not just having everything in, in real estate, so we'd invested in this. And you believe that God had provided this opportunity? I did. Yes, I did. And I think that that assumption is, and, and a lot of people do this when they want something to be from God especially and they believe that it mm. is, they can be a little more lenient in their due diligence of a project or something that they want to get into, whether it be an investment or even a relationship. When mm-hmm. you believe it's yep. from God, yep. you'll overlook things that, that you otherwise might notice. Yeah, so what happened? Well, it went well for a year and a half, and then suddenly he stopped paying. And it was my job to respond to the investors who were becoming worried and frightened and demanding. Uh, so for a period of, of months, three months at least, um, there was no money being paid. And it wasn't guaranteed, so that could happen, but people had become used to this money coming in and become dependent on it, And uh, which is where I, I learned a very good lesson in, in anything to do with investing. Never invest more than you can afford to lose. Uh, if if mm-hmm. I can get that across yep. to people, then yep. that'll be worthwhile, this whole interview. But, um, you know, people were very dependent on it and became very frightened and you know, the only thing people care about more than their health is their money. And so, you know, they were contacting me and they were calling, emailing, turning up at my house. They were asking, oh, wow. yep, begging, demanding money, get, becoming quite aggressive. And, uh, you know, I, I just couldn't take it anymore. My my resilience was eroded. My own fears about what was going on was... was um, being undermined and after a while of me having to deal with this and I um, said to the guy, you've, you've got to pay these people. He's like, no, 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 the market's doing this, the market's doing that. You know, next month it'll be fine, next month it'll be fine. And money came into the company and I said to him, look, I can't handle this anymore. Can I use this to pay people just this once? Just this once. There's plenty of people who's just this once has ruined their lives. And he mm. said, yes, do that because he didn't care. And uh I used that money to pay people. Now, I knew it wasn't the right way to do it. I knew I shouldn't, it wasn't quite right. I didn't realise just how serious that was because I didn't actually steal it. I just misused it. I, I paid people with it. But, Eric, that was a breach of the Corporations Act and the road to hell is paved with good intentions and there's no excuse for it apart from that I just caved under pressure and I paid mm. people and eventually the whole thing collapsed because... Um, the ASIC stepped in and it was discovered that uh, he was a con artist, a crook, and the whole thing turned out to be a great Ponzi scheme, which, as people may know, is when your own money is actually being given back to you and you think it's the investment, but really it's just turning money over and eventually it implodes. Wow. So this whole time, here you were sincerely investing your own money in this and helping other people or you thought you were helping other people. They were getting some return in the beginning, which yes. is part of the con yes. to kind of get people suckered in. That's right. But then all of a sudden the money stopped. Yes. And and then, you know, you're praying and, you know, you, 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 you're thinking, well, you know, it's not guaranteed. So you, you can't expect it all the time, but it just mm-hmm. stopped blank and there was no more and there was just excuses. Uh, and eventually it just it, it all just fell over as as these things do and uh, it was devastating and and particularly because you know when when you think something's from god and it collapses who do you blame well 
a lot of people think, well, I can't be wrong. It must be God who's let me down. Well, it's never God who lets us down. It's mm-hmm. always yeah. our own failings that do that. And that's what happened with us. And we lost everything. We were put through a liquidation and lost you know, everything we owned, our home. And then I, you know, I had to get a new job where my money just went towards paying lawyers. So on the one hand, you're finding out that you were conned. And also you were representing a con man. I mean, that must have been devastating. When I found out the money was gone, I threw up for three days straight. I couldn't even look at my children. I was just horrified. How could I miss it? It it was just the worst thing ever. Now, how do these con men work? Don't they think they're going to get found out? Look, I, I've, I've since written two books on fraud warning signals in finance and relationships. And in this particular case, very often when it's about finance, these guys have so much confidence in their superior intelligence and they lack empathy. They Often they're sociopaths and it's a game for them. And, uh, you know, your fair game, that it's just part of how it's played. And, you know, it's, it's eat or be eaten for them. And they will do whatever they need to. And they're chameleons. You know, these guys, they don't Mm. look like slick con artists. They don't look like a car salesman. They will listen to your conversation and they'll listen to your politics, your opinions on things, the things that you care about, your religion, and they will mirror back to you things in common. And it doesn't just happen with churches. It happens with all sorts of social clubs, service clubs. It's called affiliate fraud where they they win you over Mm-hmm. And you think that, well, he's one of us. And that reduces your objectivity when it comes to doing due diligence. So, so that's, he basically won your confidence in him. Well, that's why they're called confidence men, aren't they? Yeah. That's right. That's yeah, exactly. exactly right. And women too. So basically, as the Bible says, beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. Absolutely. You realize that you had trusted somebody who was basically a wolf in sheep's clothing But also, due to the circumstances you were in, it sounds like you decided to take a shortcut that wasn't right. I tried to solve a problem that wasn't mine to solve. And I Mm -hmm. I think um, a lot of people do that, and it ends up making a bigger mess, uh, you know, instead of making the harder decisions earlier. And, and, you know, it's it's easy to look back and say, oh, I should have seen this and I should have seen that. Um, But sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. And that's why I wrote my books, to give people checklists and questions to ask. I've actually got a section of a chapter for churches on wolves in sheep's clothing because even when they're in churches, they actually have a pattern of behavior. But this sounds like just the way the devil wants to entrap us. Mm. I mean, he wants us to have good intentions, get involved in things which look like uh, nice investments or whatever, but then you get kind of into it and you're maybe getting used to the money and the success and the prosperity and maybe just take this one little compromise and things will be fine. Is that fair to say? Well, it is. uh, And and that compromise doesn't usually just happen. Uh, Usually there's a certain amount of pressure involved, which squeezes your perspective so that you think, well, okay, you can get to the point where you feel like you actually don't have a choice. Now, you will have a choice, but in a, in a clear head and a, and a full tummy and, and when everything's you know in the cold light of day, sure, you would never do that. But what people don't realise is when they're extremely stressed and pressured, 
that objectivity is compromised and what you see mm-hmm. as a way out, and people do this with their marriages. They're, they're so unhappy that they think stepping out of it is the only way. It's why people commit suicide and think they're doing it, their family a service. Their, their mind is distorted and they cannot see what's, what's really going on and they don't realise the ramifications. All they see is this one little light of hope of if I just do this, it will solve things temporarily. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it doesn't. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is having a chat with Trish Jenkins, author of the book Treasures of Darkness, A Prison Journey. We've just heard the circumstances that led to her receiving an eight-month prison sentence. Next, we'll find out what her time in jail was like and what we can all learn from her experiences. That and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scadabo having a chat with Trish Jenkins, author of the book Treasures of Darkness, A Prison Journey. Before the break, we heard how she was tricked by a con man and she actually violated some laws at her workplace. This led to her being sentenced to eight months in prison, living among some of society's most dangerous criminals. Now we'll find out what happens next in her story. Well, we went through a liquidation where we lost everything and the the offence was 2005 and it wasn't actually until January 2009 that my court date came up to receive a penalty and uh, that could have been a fine but if you remember 2008 that was the global financial crisis everybody was oh, particularly yep, right. yeah particularly touchy about anything to do with money and uh, you know I I got the maximum and that was a head sentence of two and a half years uh, suspended after eight months so the best part of a year I was taken away from my family Wow. So talk about rocking your world. You're a wife, a mother of three, and then finding out that you're going to be in jail. It was just, it was another world. You know, in in my prayer time before I went in and I was facing all of this, every time I went to prayer or every time I got prayer, you know, the Lord would say, trust me, it's going to be okay. Now, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, God's version of okay and our version of okay <laughs> are not always the same. Not exactly the same. Not always the same. And, and he said, it's going to be okay. And very close to the date in my prayer time, I just felt him say to me, you are going to go in, but I'm going to be with you and it's going to be okay. And I surrendered to that peace. You know, um, in Job, Job gets to the point of though he slay me yet I will praise him. And I had Mm -hmm. to get to that point of total surrender with God, saying, God, I don't want to go to jail. I'd been believing God. I'd been doing everything I could to avoid it. And I said, but God, if this is part of your plan for me, then I will surrender to that. But you have got to show up. And he did. Okay, we're going to find out exactly how he did. But, you know, when I think of somebody committing what would probably be considered a white-collar crime, you think maybe there's a separate place for them that you'd be in more of a cushy 
type area in prison for white collar criminals who have financial uh, crimes. But you were right in with uh, the most hardened criminals in society. Is that right? Yes. Look, there is. There, there is another section, but everybody goes into general population to start with. Everybody's in with everybody. So there could be a mass murderer and they would be in the cell next to you? Well, that's right. Uh, well, they could be oh, in the wow. cell with you. You know, that's, oh, wow. Yeah, because there's, there's overcrowding. So they would put another mattress on the floor next to the one that's there. And I've heard from a chaplain since that they now have bunk beds. So you've got two there plus another one on the floor. And uh, I, I actually discovered later on when I came home, I Googled somebody's name and found out that they, you know, she had actually put an axe through her boyfriend's head and, and she was one of my friends. And uh, I I knew she was messed up. I knew she had bipolar disorder and schizophrenia, but who doesn't in prison pretty much? It's, it's, (laughs) if you're not crazy before you go in, you're certainly crazy when you come out. So you don't know what their crimes are when they're put in a cell next to you? Only if they tell you, you know, if if you're in conversation, but it's. Oh, I see. But it's not like it's public knowledge. No, no. Although you might read the paper and someone's name is in there, but, um, you know, a lot of people you do know. A lot of the people in there are um, single mothers who have cheated Centrelink on on their fraudulent payments. You know, they'll have a boyfriend living with them while they're collecting single mother's benefits and they'll go to prison Mm -hmm. for that if it adds up to a certain amount. There was another lady there, a a grandmother, who was in prison because she was a pensioner and her Mm -hmm. husband had a little cash job on the side doing people's gardens and they were both sentenced to four months because they had defrauded Centrelink. That really oh, shocked wow. me. And then, and then they're in next to hardened criminals and yes, they are murderers and they are. Oh wow! Now, I'm just trying to get my head around this. Here you were a Christian woman, sincerely trying to make some investments, but then through the series of events that we discussed, find yourself kind of entrapped in uh, this situation, and then made this compromise. And now all of a sudden, you're making friends with uh, an axe murderer. Well, look, actually, I think it was actually a hammer, not an axe. But, you know, he, okay, he, ended, I mean, up, he ended up dead, <laughs> now, however, well however that happens. But look, Eric, you know, I did what I did. I knew I shouldn't do what I did, hmm. but I did it anyway. So regardless of how many excuses I can make, I caved under pressure and I failed. And hmm. I had a price to pay. And but we I, can all relate to this because, I mean, who has not at some point in their life done something that they regret later? Well, look, you take your eyes off the steering wheel, off the road for a few minutes and you kill someone, you'll go to jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And who hasn't looked at the radio or, you know, done something? It, it's, it's, sometimes it's, it's just, that's why it's called an accident, but, but there's a mm-hmm. consequence. And, yeah. uh, you know, I placed my life in God's hands. In my prayer time, I had said, God, whatever happens... Whatever I'm given is going to be from you. As far as I was concerned, that judge had no say over my life. He was totally impotent. There was nothing that that judge could say. And I had a tough judge. I found out later that um, if I'd had a different judge on the day, I would have got a different result, that I couldn't have got anything heavier than what he gave me. But I still say he had nothing to do with it, that my God had a plan. And he did, and that plan unfolded while I was incarcerated. So you think God allowed the most serious sentence to be sentenced to you? Yes, I do. Absolutely, I do. Now, if I, he didn't make me commit a crime, you know, I did that all by of myself. Not, no. yeah, I did that yeah. all by myself. 
but God used that. You know, Romans 8.28 says he makes all things work together for our good. Now, it doesn't happen automatically. We've got to work with him, mm-hmm. but I had to trust him, totally submitted to what he would do and work with, I mean, I did say, God, if I go in, you have to show up, and, and he did. And I had mm. to make sure that I went through that. You know, I had a phone call with my husband in the yard. We have these 10-minute timed phone calls. And I'm there on the phone, and, and my husband is just heroic. You know, if he actually asked if he could have gone to jail instead of me, and I said, oh, no, sweetheart, you're way too oh, pretty. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you're way too pretty. It's best if I go in. And, uh, you know, and, and he was feeling discouraged and he was feeling... Yeah, I was going to say, feeling, how is he feeling about all this? Oh, you know, he worked his guts out to and, and spent everything, everything that he earned, he paid to lawyers to keep his wife out of jail. You know, he mm. another man might have said, look, you've done this. this. They're not touching my money. You know, you're on your own, sweetheart, and I'm taking the kids. And plenty mm. of men might do that, but not this one. Justin is just, you know, I fell in love with him all over again. He just mm. rose to the occasion. and But, you know, he was doing it tough and he was feeling frustrated and yeah. angry. And uh, I said to him, sweetheart, you know what? We're going to go through it anyway. And we have to go through this as best we know how with God because if we don't, it'll be wasted. And I couldn't bear to go through all this for God not to do something with it, to have it wasted. You know, you can't mm, yeah. waste a good adversity. You know, whatever you're going through, don't waste it on self-pity and anger. Get with God and go through it with him. I, I want to just repeat that line. Don't waste a good adversity. <laughs> Personally, I'm not really looking for adversity, but <laughs> it's going to come whether we want to or not. But that's a good point. Don't waste it. Look, you can do it the hard way or the harder way, hmm. you know, and uh, it's going to be tough. But when you go through it with Jesus... There are some precious things that come out of it. You know, that's why I called my book Treasures of Darkness. It's from Isaiah 45, verse 3, which says, I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you would know that I, the Lord, am the God of Israel who calls you by name. Treasure is not found out in the open. It's found in the dark places. And you have a saying regarding the word testimony? Ah, yes, you know. Without the test, all you're left with is a moany. You're just going to moan. <laughs> so, you know, you have a testimony because you've been through a test. Yes, I had never thought about it that way. But, uh, yes, adversity is going to be in our lives. We are going to have times of testing. That's just part of life. But God is always with us through it all. He is. And talking about a test, you experienced a bit of culture shock. All of a sudden, living with hardened criminals, that was not the usual type of culture you were used to living in, to say the least. Is that right? Well, that's exactly right. I mean, I'd met really rough people before. You know, they would come to church and we would help them and they'd, they'd meet mm-hmm. Jesus and they would give a testimony of how, you know, how hard they were and, you know, crime and different things, but they love Jesus. And it's like I was looking at their before photo, you know, I was with their, their before <laughs> shot. And, uh, you know, I, I went in there and it was a culture shock. You know, it was the twilight zone. And uh, one of my, like, I knew, I'm a natural encourager anyway, and, and I knew, look, I've had 20 years of business and professional development and spiritual development, and I knew the most important thing was to protect my mind. And I already had some strategies that 
I knew would be helpful. I tested every everything got tested and something some stuff just turned out to be rubbish that doesn't work. But I knew mm. that I had to watch the words of my mouth and what I thought about and I became an encourager. And the thing is, you know, you, you're looking at us and them and suddenly I was them. I looked down, I'm in the same uniform. I was one of them. I was prisoner DL4257. Well, the phrase that keeps coming to my mind as I'm listening to Trish Jenkins share is there but for the grace of God go I. Because who of us has not made a mistake, made some type of compromise that we later regretted? And of course, as we're hearing, Trish Jenkins is really suffering the consequences of her mistake. We'll find out more about her time in prison next time and how God is now using her to help others. Meanwhile, you can learn more about author and speaker Trish Jenkins at her website, trishjenkinsfaith.com. That's trishjenkinsfaith.com. Also, you can go there to find out about her book, Treasures of Darkness, A Prison Journey. Once again, we'll hear more of Trisha's story next time. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I sat across from the woman who managed the minimum security place one day. And as she was looking at me and asking questions and ticking boxes, I realised she couldn't see me. I was invisible. I didn't fit into her boxes. And that was frightening. The dehumanising, no longer being a citizen, no longer being a person, that probably had more effect on me than anything else. Trish Jenkins joins us once again to share how her comfortable life was shattered when she was sentenced to eight months in prison, living among some of society's most dangerous criminals. We'll find out what she learned from the experience and her daughter will tell us what it was like having a mother in prison. All that and more next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.